on the set. Okay, everybody, quiet on the set. Scene one, take ten, Marker. studio of the Modern School of Film. Welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, it takes an expat, musician, singer, actor. Ben Bruce is with us. Welcome. Welcome to Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. Robert Malazzo here with you. I am the founder of the Modern School of Film with you every week. Yes, every week. Murmur Radio. Don't get scared. Murmur Radio. M-U-R-M-U-R Radio. One word. Dot com. Social handles at MSF Murmur. Twitter, Instagram. I always feel like doing voices when I say this. Twitter, Instagram. And YouTube. Something else now. Email me at the show murmurradio at gmail. If you have an idea for a show, I will match your idea with a guest. I will call you. And if you're comfortable, I'll bring you on the show to join. If you're not comfortable, I'll still bring you on the show. No. <laughs> the only person uncomfortable on this show is my guests. And I stand by that, not the callers. <laughs> Welcome. Oh iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, still welcome. Download, subscribe, tell a friend. Murmur Radio. Hello. Today on the show, Ben Bruce. Ben Bruce, Benjamin Bruce, is he is one of the uh, founding architects of Asking Alexandra. He is the lead guitarist, and he does some vocals, and, and was one of the fathers of the band since its first iteration. He's a really super interesting guy, I think. He also owns a record label. He's an entrepreneur, and I I haven't met him, but I have a good feeling that he is, well, I know he's eloquent about this subject, expatriatism. He was born in uh, England, as you'll hear, and he, or, you know, maybe not, but you will hear it, but just because he has an accent doesn't mean he was born there. However, he could have been raised there. You know, this idea of accents, different topic for a different show, but it's just about how the child hears what they hear. So he could have been living in Milwaukee with English parents and never stepped foot in the UK. But anyway, I digress. Well, not so much digress. I want to talk about expatriatism. He formed the band. I think the, the originally the band was formed in England uh, when they were teenagers. 
or Dubai, I want to clear up that timeline, but I know t- Dubai was sort of the formative years. No, this is the timeline. Sorry, I just remembered. The, the band formed in Dubai, but I believe their first sort of label deal was through a UK-based company. Again, I'll clear this up, but that's, I love that. I love those kind of two, it's like mixing, you know, desserts together to create a kind of mega dessert. Dessert is tricky because dessert is delicate. You know, cheesecakes and bunt cakes don't mix real well. This idea of expatriatism, the 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 goofy headline is, we're all expatriates, aren't we? You know, we're all, seems to be we're all from somewhere else. We have relatives and blood of somewhere else. And I love it. I mean, I think it's exciting. My father was born in Sicily. My mother was born in the Bronx, which was Sicily. Well, no, Sicily West was sort of um, Little Italy below Canal. But there were a lot of Sicilians living in the Bronx. Although my mom was not Sicilian. Sorry, I don't want to spin this off about my parents. But my mom is from Tuscany. So, you know, and you're listening and think, oh, yeah, well, my, I have this percentage of Welsh and I have this percentage of Swedish. And and I'm, you know, my mom met my dad in, in South Africa and all, all these kind of combinations. So we are kind of parts of other things and other people. You know, we tend to romanticize this. I don't know how many of you are listening and are who are from other countries or relocated, you know, are expatriates. But when we hear the, the word expatriate, we think of a bunch of Australian tourists or travelers sitting in a bar in Florence, Italy. <laughs> That's where the expats hang out. I, you know, it's so condescending. It's such a condescending idea, you know. But when you think of the history of, of it, and we could talk a little bit about the history of the word with Ben, that expatriatism, it was it was an expunging. You know, you were you were expatriated, you were banished. It's a it's a medieval idea to to be expatria, patria being the fatherland, you know, the father state. Good thing the motherland took over the fatherland. <laughs> it's a kind of gentler land. But you know, being banished, being being rooted out. So it, it was sort of the sometimes the connotation is people kind of don't have a thing to go to, so they leave, and that's sad and it, and it's unfortunate and it really casts the term in the outsider's perspective, which I don't think of it that way. I know I believe Ben's father took work in Dubai, so it was I I don't know the the nannies and the, and the crannies of it all, you know, did he have bad credit? I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, he went to, he went for an opportunity. And this is something we talk about a lot on the show, this idea of travel, this idea of running from something and seeking something out. I mean, it's funny, you know, you can see the, do- the donut, not the hole, or you can see the hole and not the donut on this. It's really in the eye of the beholder. I guess the expatriate himself feels like a pioneer. Maybe the observer feels like that man or woman is lost. Well, thank goodness people get lost along the way. If we all stuck to, stuck to that roadmap, you know, of, of, our, of our communities, of our native communities, we would not have expanded the map. I'm grateful we've expanded the map, and I know in these twisting and turning times, it seems like the map twisting, it looks like uncertainty and corruption, and it feels like we are mixing communities, country, you know, geographic communities. It's unfortunate. I, and, and, and I'm, I, 
I'm, I was born in the U.S. I think I'm patriotic today. You know, we'll talk about patriotism because that's another interesting word to play with. I feel patriotic, but would I live outside the U.S.? Absolutely. I don't feel I'm less patriotic because I would live outside the U.S. I think, you know, we look at allegiance in interesting and slippery ways. I think it's about contribution. What are you contributing to where you are? You know, oftentimes we look at where we're from, and I think that's important because where we're from pay, plays into an emotional identity piece that I know I share. I'm not from Italy, but I feel a great connection to that country. And I know when I first went there, I felt really connected and I understood my family better and I understood my grandparents better. But I missed the U.S. and I loved the U.S. And, and I felt connected to the U.S. So I don't think it's a zero sum idea, expatriatism, that you are leaving and rejecting where you were from for where you're going. Ben actually lives in the U.S. now with his family, with his uh, his wife and, and child. So that'll be interesting because now his I believe his child was born in the U.S. So I think the plot just thickens in an interesting way. Some people don't want the plot to thicken. They want the plot to thin. <laughs> well, here, here, may the plot thicken. Today on Murmur, Ben Bruce on expatriatism. I'm excited because it's a word that I feel needs a redefinition. Maybe Ben will be able to do that or maybe not. And we'll just have him back. <laughs> ben Bruce on Murmur. Now this. Good afternoon, uh, sir. Good afternoon. The doctors here tell me your wound is not serious. No. It amazes them that it's almost healed already. I'm very glad. It should serve as some sort of indication of our powers. My name is Harley, secretary to the president. I've been told you speak our language fluently, that your name is Mr. Klatu. Just Klatu. The president has asked me to convey our deepest apologies for what has happened. Sit down, Mr. Harley. I'm sure I don't have to point out that your arrival was something of a surprise. Uh, had you been traveling long? About five months. Your months. Oh, you must have come a long way. About 250 million of your miles. Uh, naturally, we're very curious to know where you come from. From another planet. Let's just say that we're neighbors. Oh, it's rather difficult for us to think of another planet as a neighbor. I'm afraid in the present situation you'll have to learn to think that way. The present situation? I mean the reasons for my coming here. Would you care to talk about it? Not now, or with you alone. Perhaps you'd rather discuss it uh, personally with the president. I want to meet with the representatives from all the nations of the earth. I'm afraid that would be a little awkward. Why? In view of the tensions and suspicions in our world today, such a meeting would be uh, impossible. Mr. Harley, my mission here concerns the existence of every last creature who lives on earth. It must not be complicated by the childish jealousies, intrigues, suspicions of your planet. Our problems are very complex. You uh, mustn't judge us too harshly. I'm in patience with stupidity. My people have learned to live without it. The president will, of course, do his best to bring about the meeting you desire. I know it will be quite useless. I wish it were otherwise. I'm very sorry, Mr. Klatu. Wait. Before making any grave decisions, I think I should get out among your people become familiar with the basis for these strange, unreasoning attitudes. Our military people insist that you do not attempt to leave the hospital. The door will be locked. I'm sure you understand. 
Good day, Mr. Clato. The door will be locked. <laughs> will it now? Words like immigrant and refugee and exile, these are words that are used far too frequently by people who have no idea what they mean, meaning politicians. Uh, one word uh, that isn't spoken about enough by anyone, I don't think, is this word expatriate. So uh, we needed one, uh, and we have one. He's not only an ex- He's not. He's not only hello expatriate. He's not only an expatriate. He's a musician, a singer, an actor, a father a husband, a record label owner, and the architect of the band Asking Alexandra. Here today to speak about his journeys in art and culture and politics inadvertently, please welcome to Murmur into the Modern School of Film, Mr. Ben Bruce. Hey, Ben, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much, mate. How you doing? I'm well, man. Thank you so much. Hey, when you hear this word expatriate, at this point in your life, do you cringe a bit? I mean, I'm sure you've either thought of yourself that way or been called that. What do you, how do you define this word expatriate? Um, it it doesn't make me cringe in any way, shape, or form. It's funny. I was talking to uh, to my wife's parents last night, and uh, I was just saying how excited I am to go back to England. Um, and then I just I thought in my head too, oh, I'm so excited to go back because that's where my family is right now. Right. But I didn't even actually really grow up there, even though it's where I'm from, because I've been I've been an expat my whole life. Um, you know, from the age of five. Uh, I moved to Dubai from England, and I lived in Saudi Arabia, and obviously I've lived in America for a very long time. So I've always been an expat. And the funny thing is, you know, there there is a bit is a bit of a taboo word, and people are like, oh, you know, refugee, you know, immigrants, or but at the end of the day, especially in America, isn't that what we all are? Yeah. Um, because <laughs> we all came from somewhere else. Everyone that lives here unless they're a Native American, you know, they, they at one point came from somewhere else. And, and that was the beautiful thing about America. It was a melting pot of different cultures and uh, different people from around the globe. And I think people have forgotten that somewhere 
um, in the in the history books. I think you're right, and it's really interesting. You know, the word expatriate. It's it's funny. I was looking a little bit at the origin of it. It's um, from the Latin, the medieval Latin, 18th century, and it was really to it was used to banish. So a a leadership would expatriate its country, meaning it would mm-hmm. get rid of the people it didn't want. And now it feels like expats are are making conscious choices to live elsewhere. I, yeah. I, want, I want to look at your history a little bit, uh, moving to Dubai at a, at a young age. You were five or six. Uh, talk a little bit about that. It, it seemed to have been a, a familial choice, like your father and the family decided that that was the course of action. You may have been too young to recall that decision, but can you recall the circumstances around you guys going from the UK to Dubai? Uh, I do, actually. And a lot of people, they just automatically assume oil or military, which couldn't be further from the case right. uh, for my family. My dad's in advertising. Um, but, you know, basically, I think just like anyone, my dad wanted to pr- provide the best possible life he could for his young family. He had me and my sister, two young children and my mom to look after. Um, and, you know, in, in the UK at the time, he'd been made redundant and it was hard for anyone to get a job um, back then. This would have been 1994, 95. He was presented with an opportunity. Dubai was was a very young uh, emirate or country as some people might call it city um, and there wasn't much out there but my dad was presented with an opportunity to go over there and work for an advertising agency called Saatchi and Saatchi and because it, it hadn't blown up to what it is now he was offered a very good salary a very good living and a nice way of life for me and my sister you know there's beaches uh, the crime rates were low uh, the money you know and, and just like anyone else like I said he just wanted the best life he possibly could have his family and that's why we ended up moving and i feel like that's why anyone any expat moves because they're they're searching for a better life for themselves i mean sure some people might have malicious intent but those people are few and far between most people Mm. just want a life and somewhere they can call home and provide for for their family speaking with ben bruce i think it's a really interesting point you make about your dad wanting to help his family and you guys uh you and your sister but what, what i find interesting is when people move around a lot, half of the people say, oh, they're running away from something. And the other half say they're moving towards something. Do you think about that with your life a little bit? Do you think there's a kind of uh, like almost a schizophrenia uh, in terms of the response to your movement? Are there some people who think they they look at your life and say, oh, he hasn't figured it out yet? Uh, I think I'm beyond that. And I think as as sad as it sounds, I think a lot of it depends on your ethnicity and where you come from. I mean, me being a, a white a white guy, that doesn't. I don't get labeled with this stigma or anything like that. You know, people just think, oh, cool, that's an English guy in America, or you know, that's just what they do. But um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people think otherwise if you're from you have a different background. Like a lot of people, when they think of Mexicans in America, they go, oh, they're just here to to take our jobs and and do. Che-. It's like that's not the case at all. But the, it's just a sad. It's a sad state of affairs, and I think, you know, I, I've not experienced any of that. Like I said, I've moved around my whole life, and it's never been weird for me, and I've never been looked down on for doing that, and I've never, you know, felt like people think I'm running away from anything, but rather, like you say, moving towards something. Mm. You know, it's interesting, and I think there's tons of misconceptions about Dubai and the Middle East and the UAE. I, wa- I want to go through them slowly with you because I think you're a sophisticated uh, teacher in this way. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about because I think you're right. Your dad and the family went to Dubai before 
it was quote unquote cool to go to Dubai, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a sense. Did he do any sort of quick study on what that meant? You know, before we get into the realities of law and culture, did he think, oh, you know, this is a new philosoph. This is more than just taking a new job. This is a new philosophical life for everyone, inc- inc- including your mom, you know, which, which is another canister of, of information. Did he study himself in that or did he sort of say, let's figure it out as we go? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. You know, obviously I was quite young, yeah. um, so I, I don't recall any uh, conversations that may have happened between our parents. But obviously myself and my sister were, were raised to understand uh, the differences. And obviously, you know, the UAE is a, is a Muslim country. And so we were always just just taught to be respectful of 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 their cultures and and their society, and you're not going to have any problems, you know. And I and I think it's important that people educate themselves on on different people's cultures, especially when moving to a country that's not their own. Um, so me and my sister were always aware that this is a Muslim country, and that's fine, that's okay. But just be respectful and mindful of their way of life and and their their laws you know which which are obviously um significantly different um from ours but at the same time dubai is is a very open minded place and it's it's been very westernized especially over the years you know there's a lot of expatriates out there from america the uk south africa australia uh, the philippines india you know so it's it's turned itself into a bit of a multicultural melting pot as well but it's just funny because people do respect the laws over there and that there aren't any troubles and a lot of people think oh well you're going to a muslim country you can't drink you can't <laughs> eat pork your mom has to wear an abaya and can't drive that couldn't be further from the truth that's funny i'm laughing because you know it's it's this kind of you know we live in a world a fear of uh, it's like a fear of ignorance or it's an ignorance that brings in fear so i i even though what you were saying may be obvious to you i think it's really important and i love the fact that you're saying it so matter-of-factly. Talk a little bit about, you know, you were in school. It was an English-language school, right? Was it UK education or was it uh, international education? What was it called? Do you recall what the... It was a, a British curriculum school, yes. Yeah. So I, I still had the same education and the same curriculum as I would if I still lived in the UK. Um, but that wasn't for my entire life there, too. I actually... Um, did go to a school called Shoifat, uh, which was a Lebanese school, and their curriculum was more internationally based. And, you know, they pick and chose from UK curriculum, US curriculum. Um, I went there for for quite a while. Um, But for the most part, especially as I got older, um, I was I was in British curriculum schools. Ironically, to ask a really clumsy question, in terms of skin color, let's say, were you the majority? Because in a sense, you know, you, you this is there's a reverse engineering hap- that happens, as you know, with, mm-hmm. with international schools, and I mean engineering in in an in in innocuous sense. Was it the majority to be a kind of white kid at these schools, for lack of a better slang? Uh, it's funny actually that you say that because. Uh, I was neither the minority nor the majority. Mm. Um, it, it was such a mixture of different people from diff- from all over the world. You know, I've I had friends from India, Pakistan. I had uh, local Arabic friends. I had English friends, South African friends, and there was it. Re- it's so weird because when I lived out there, I didn't notice anything to do with skin color or or, or any of that. It was everyone was just the same. Mm. And then when I moved away from Dubai and I moved back to the UK, that's when I started noticing like segregation and stuff and realizing, oh, I'm white 
as opposed to, oh, I'm just a person. Mm. You know, there's a religious component to this, too, in the sense of, I was wondering, as a, as a, in an English school, as a UK-based curricula and, and the, school, the Lebanon-based school, um, were you taught religion? Was that, was that compulsory? Because religion is in that way of life. Whether you're agnostic mm. or not, it is part of the cultural uh, expectation. Mm. Were you taught yeah. religion? Were you taught Islam? Are we taught any religion? Uh, no, no, I wasn't at all. Um, you know, and I just kind of picked up on different bits of religion here and there just through uh, different people I, I, I hung out with and met and made friends with. You know, like I said, people from all over the world. So I picked up on bits of, of like Christianity and, and Muslim and and uh, Hinduism and, and all, all different kinds and uh, Buddhism. And it turns out to me, from everything I learned and saw over the years, is we're all actually all religions are pretty similar you know i mean there are some yep. big differences sure but when you get down to the core of it, it it's all pretty much the same thing and everyone believes that theirs is the correct one um but really they're all telling you all of these books and ways of life pretty much tell you that they're just guidelines to being a good person you know and it's such a shame i'm not religious at all um by the way but i do see the the, the beauty that could be behind it because they do try and teach you just to be a good upstanding citizen and it's such a shame to me to see something that probably had you know a beautiful intention be taken and flipped on its ass and used um in negative ways and you know people are manipulated into doing things and they say it's for their religion and i don't think anything like that is the intention behind anyone's religion yeah. and it's just a shame to see that it's got to that point nowadays I, I, I agree it's funny when I lived in Italy I'm not religious either but you can't help but be inspired when you walk in a church. I mean, in the sense of the architecture, the, the magnan... It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. The, the the window, the light, the music, you know, religious music. I'm Again, it's not the message, it's the form. And, and as you know, music is its own language, irrespective of what the content is, the sound. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're a you know, I'm, I won't bore you with this comparison, but musicians are priests of a sort, you know, in, in the sense that these are sounds, the communal aspects of it. But I, I agree. I, let's use a different word, though. As you lived over there in Dubai, again, these were these were pre, you know, teenage years, but around 17 or 18 you left. Um, did you become more spiritual, I guess? So re, re, even though living amongst religion didn't make you more religious, did it make you more spiritual? I'm not, that's a good question. I'm honestly, I'm not entirely sure. I know it's definitely made me a lot more open-minded and a lot more tolerant. um, And I guess understanding um, just to different people in general across the board. Um, As far as spirituality goes, you know, I'm, I'm just, I think because it made me so open-minded, I'm not going to be ignorant enough to sit down and say, they're all wrong. There's no such thing as this but at the same time i'm also not prepared to say oh no there definitely is this there's definitely something um i think you know i just try and appreciate each day for what it hit for what it is and what it what it provides me with you know and i just i just and i i put that down to a lot to uh traveling the world and meeting so many different people and and coming to terms with the fact that hey man my good friend over here is a muslim my other good friend over here is a christian we we can be good friends and that's okay 
I'm, I'm with the same people deep down, you know? Ben Bruce here on Murmur, graciously uh, giving his time. Thinking about, you know, you have a newborn, and, and uh, have mm-hmm. you and your wife talked about not only the principles, because it seems like your principles are, are screwed on super sharp and tight, and not to bury this again in religion, but, you know, with that back, with that pretext of been, having been in the UAE, do, are you thinking about how you want to expose your daughter to religion? I mean, not religion with an uppercase R, you know, like the idea, because I think at some point parents have to choose, are we going to enroll my child in a religious school? Are we going to go to church? Or You don't have to disclose the answer. I don't, you know, that's your privacy. But I'm wondering, have you and your wife started that conversation in the sense of spiritual backgrounding of your child? Uh, we definitely have. And, you know, like I said, I'm very open-minded. And, and so for me, it was never really a, a thought until, uh, for instance, I just bought a house somewhere in Arizona. And um, a lot of the schools in the area are Mormon schools. And so I've been, you know, people have been saying, oh, well, you know, your, your kids aren't religious. They've not been baptized or anything. Are you going to put them in a Mormon school because they might get bullied or they might be sucked into it? Or, and in my mind, that's, it's just such a strange conversation or thought process to have to have because in my mind, I'm like, okay, who cares? I don't care if it's a Mormon, if it's a school that has a lot of Mormons in it. I don't care what it is. I, I care you know, how is the education? Is, it, is this going to prepare my child for their future? Are they tolerant too? Or are they going to brainwash her into saying one thing's right and one thing's wrong? Yeah. All I care about is I want them to go somewhere and be as open-minded as I am. I want them to take people for people and understand that there are good people and there are bad people. No matter what their background is, where they're from, what their religion is, that's just the truth in, in the matter. There are good people and bad people. And I want them to be prepared um, and understand the difference and be able to, to make up their own minds on things. And, hey, if, if, if they want to be Christian, they can be Christian. If they don't, they don't have to be. You know, it's, I just want them to be able to make their own informed decisions. And that's, that's really what matters to me. School, sending your child to school is not the end of the conversation. It's the beginning of the conversation. So it sounds mm-hmm. like you're in touch with that, that, you know, every day your child has an interaction, you'll have a dialogue around it. And, and that's yep. the way life is. It's funny, London, we, you're, you're from South London, is that right? I am, yeah. Do you think London is an international city? And there's two sub-questions. One is in terms of tolerance and reality. In reality, do you think it's an international city? And in the sense of, is it tolerant to its international nature? I, I only ask because I'm a New Yorker, and what I found when I go to London is there's more tourists, believe it or not. You may not believe that. I mean, you've been to New York, but I, I feel like there's tons more tourists, and it's more international in a sense, because you it, it's kind of a hub for people who don't go all the way to the U.S., London is kind of in, it's almost the New York of, of that side of the world in a sense, but do you find London in its reality and its acceptance to be truly international? Um, I do, and, I, I, and I, I feel like it's actually been getting less and less over the years. I think that's a lot to do with scaremongering, yeah. but I do think it's a very tolerant and open city, and I think at one point it really truly was, um, but just like I've said now, there's been a lot of scaremongering um, within the press, and you know, you're starting to see actually quite a lot less tolerance um, as time's going on, which is a real shame because, like you said, I think majority of of the, the London population on a day to day basis is actually made up of tourists. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah. you would think that we would want to set a good example um, to encourage more travel there, but unfortunately, I just think. 
that's slipping further and further away at the moment. Well, in your ESP, and I want to build up to your 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 tu- you know your touching down in America, but in your ESP, how much of the scaremongering is due to American scaremongering? I mean, what's the chicken or the egg, or do you think it's a unique? Who scaremongered first, <laughs> the UK or the USA? I mean, is, this is a race to the bottom. This question, but who we're, 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 do you think there's a relationship between US scaremongering and UK-based scaremongering? You know, I think it goes hand in hand. I think the UK and the US um, are so involved in each other's politics now. It uh, one kind of just follows the other, and I don't think it. I think it's split fifty-fifty a lot of the time. Mm. Um, but obviously, the U.S. is such a huge country um, with such a massive. Are you Are you okay? Hey, hey, Ben, can you hear me, man? I can't hear you. Sorry. Hello. Hey, Ben. Hey, man. Can you hear me? Hello. Hey, did immigration get you? They got you, didn't they? I guess so. They they didn't like the conversation. <laughs> you were saying that uh, until the authorities got you, you were saying that um, U.S. being a larger country, does that make it better or worse? <laughs> I think because you have such a large platform um, and such a huge platform for international news, um, yeah. that when something happens in America, um, instantaneously it makes its way over to the U.K. in the news, you know, within moments of something happening and and vice versa you know i, I think yeah. there have been a few uh, attacks in london recently that have made their way into american press instantaneously and that's been used again i think to scaremonger people uh, in the united states too even though it's something that happens thousands of miles away and i think they just go hand in hand you know they go back and forth and i'm not sure obviously you know i'm not a politician i'm not sure if it's intentional or what the intentions are behind it um but it's it just seems to be a a sad a sad way of life now. Yeah. As an artist, you know, being a sort of reluctant ambassador, I'm, or I guess my question is, are you an ambassador? You know, if you look at your job description as an artist, a musician, a touring musician, and you're also a, a great entrepreneur. You know, you're touching down in different genres of work uh, through your record label and your work on television and, and as an actor. Do you feel, whether you like it or not, you're an ambassador? I'm not going to call you a politician, but let's call you an ambassador. Is that a dirty word to be looked at as kind of a multilingual ambassador because of what you do? I don't think so. I kind of like that because I, I like to take my knowledge and the fact that I do travel the world for a living to try and blur the lines. Um, because honestly, like I said, I travel everywhere around the world yearly. And when it gets down to it, Every country I've ever been to, the scariest part of getting into any country is the touchdown, the airport, the border, you know, and they make you feel different and like an outsider. And I feel like that's the same with anyone wherever they go. Um, but once you actually get there and, and you're through and you're among the, the, the population, none of that matters anymore. Everyone yeah. is the same. Yeah. I, I played in Malaysia and... Um, they were like, okay, we need to be careful. You need to cover up your tattoos. Um, and, and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to cover up my tattoos. I don't, you're just trying to scare me. I don't believe any of this. And we went out on stage, hadn't covered up our tattoos or anything. And a lot of the crowd were in uh, their, their uh, national dress and headscarves, and they were covered just because that's their religion and that's their way of life. But they were still, at the end of the day, all singing along and, and, and having a great time together all these strangers from different parts of the world having a good time with us who are from Britain who now live in America. And that's when I noticed it. You know, I'm just like, there are no boundaries, really. They're just 
they're being created by people that don't even necessarily understand them because they don't themselves travel. You know, the question that always screws with my mind in airports is, are you here for business or pleasure? And I never know what the right answer is. And I'm thinking... No, and that's the thing. That they scare you, and <laughs> yeah, they do, and it works. Yeah, and it really like, does. What should I say You here? fumble like, on that. Yeah, you really fumble. <laughs> I mean, and then you look guilty, and you're like, God <laughs> damn it. And then you try and be overly nice to everyone. So you've got this big smile on your face. You're welcoming everyone, even though you're the one coming into. Oh, welcome! Hi, how are you doing? Right, like, am right. I going to be arrested, or am I not going to be arrested <laughs> for doing nothing wrong? And, and then I, I, they say, "Where are you staying?" And I'm usually staying with friends. And I'm thinking, "Is it bad to stay with friends? Does that mean I'm some sort of radical? Like, if I was staying at the Holiday Inn, would that be? I, I, yeah, I, and you look gu- guilty, and then the sweat comes, and the dogs start sniffing me. Um, yeah. but, but that's because I'm carrying drugs, of course. Um, the uh, of course. in our last beat, I want to talk about somewhere Arizona with. You. It's funny, there's a kind of incidental, accidental music mafia in Arizona. What's going on out there? Maynard James Keenan is out there. Um, uh, Alice Cooper is out there. What brought you to Arizona, dude? What, why, no offense to Arizona. Why, when did you first sort of say, oh, let's, let's do Arizona? I, I kind of fell into it by accident, honestly. But, <laughs> you know, being a, being, a, being a musician and an actor, um, I get asked to go into L.A. and into Hollywood a lot. Um, and the more time I spent there, the more turned off by it I was just because I just didn't really like the lifestyle. You know, it's, it's, it's who, you know, not who you want, what you want to accomplish. And it's not, it's not how you want to get there. It's who, you know, in order to get there. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that lifestyle. Um, and, and, you know, at the time our old tour manager, uh, he was from Arizona so I used to visit him a lot because it's such a short plane ride from here to LA. It's like 45 minutes. So yeah. it, it was easy for work. And the longer I stayed here, the more I realized how much more relaxed it is um, than LA, but it's close enough for me to get there when I need to be. But, um, you know, where I live, it's just, it's very quiet. It's nice. Everyone's polite. Everyone's friendly. Um, and I just, I preferred that lifestyle. It's a less chaotic, a less hectic lifestyle. And I think, you know, a lot of people see that when they come to Arizona. Plus, you know, the way of life is cheaper. So you get a nicer way of life for the same amount of money. You know, if you you make a certain amount of money, you're going to have a nicer lifestyle here than you would in L.A. or, or New York. But just because simply it is cheaper. Mm. But you miss the rain, of course. You miss the U.K. rain. I know you do. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I actually do every now and again. <laughs> of course like you do. Like right yeah. now, as soon as I go back to England for like two or three weeks, I'm in the snow and the rain. I'm like, oh, man. Give me a little bit of the uh, boring, as we throw a few last questions at you, the being an Englishman in Arizona. I was going to say in the U.S., but, you know, it, it is a unique state. I was speaking the other day to a friend of mine in Tucson. She was saying Tucson is sort of like a blue state, a blue city in a red state. Arizona is a pretty red state. Yeah. I mean, how um, even though U.K. Or, we're like cousins, it's not like you're going to scare any of the locals what's that been like is everyone getting along i mean are they are do people throw bad cliches at you about being an expat or a foreigner you know what what is your day-to-day life like or do they think you're from australia like what what is <laughs> what, what is your uh, experience it there it's funny actually I, I do get a lot of people you know slinging the stereotype the incorrect stereotype of put another shrimp on the barbie for starters <laughs> i'm not from australia and secondly i don't think they all barbecue shrimp. Um, <laughs> 
But no, I'm not from from Australia, and I do get that a lot. Another thing I get too, um, not so much now that I'm married with kids, but when I was going out to bars and stuff a lot, if I was talking to a woman, um, I, I find I'd, for whatever reason they're attracted to a British accent. But I would get a lot of males accusing me of putting on a fake accent <laughs> to like steal their chip and stuff. And I remember I was at a bar not too long ago, and I had the crap kicked out of me for having a fake British accent. And I was no. like, I was drunk, and my inner Brit came out, and I got a bit leery, you know, and I told him to piss off. You sounded like Russell Brand, um, right? Yeah, exactly. And then I got flattened. They were like, oh, yeah, nice accent. Blah, 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 blah. And they flattened me, and I was like, holy oh, crap, man. Jesus. Like, you just beat me up because you think I've got a fake accent for some reason. It's very bizarre. And I think that's a little bit of the backlash of expats in general. I know, you know, I've been to Asia and I've been hanging out with like Canadians who are traveling and some of the locals think, you know, this is not your land. This is not your, you're here to take from us. So in a weird way, I'm not, I'm laughing at that anecdote, but there's actually something pretty sinister within that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to make this. Especially since, like I said, in the beginning of this, of this, uh, conversation you know at one point the guy that hit me you know he was a white american guy his family came from somewhere else to be here they did he wasn't a native american this wasn't quote unquote his land or you know what i mean so it's like hey dude we're all here for the same reason, and that's just to enjoy life and make the most out of it. Where, where, where were you? I just, I just gotta want to. You don't have to name the bar or the pub, but where I was, you? I was in Tempe, Tempe, where? Arizona. Oh well, that's you know that's ASU country. No offense, I mean I'm just saying it that is ASU you know country. that's like. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, and the, also the other thing is, and the the Americans are fascinated by English. You know this. I mean, um, mm-hmm. I and I, I don't mean this is a bad thing. I'm just saying that it is. But you know, conversely, when I lived in Italy, uh, the English were fascinated by the Italians. I mean, do you find that mm-hmm. there's a kind of, you know, what what isn't it all a little tiring? I mean, do you feel like people? look towards something because we're talking about fear of something that we're not but there is also a kind of i wish i was um you don't you sound like you have none of that and has travel helped that in the sense of you've when you start to experience people of another country you don't covet those customs you Mm -hmm. you you make them they're organic to you. I mean, does anything throw you off culturally, having been an expat? Um, honestly, nothing throws me off. Obviously, something I don't get, I don't understand because it's not my culture. But, I, you know, I, I'm that's fine. That's okay. I don't have to agree with everything. But um, I, I, I just find, I think people in general, humans, we're just curious creatures. You know, we, we want to, to learn um, whether that's the way we think or not. We're programmed to learn and inquire and explore. And I think when someone's, say, been in Arizona their whole life and they haven't traveled, and I, I've noticed a lot in America that a lot of Americans I've met, they haven't traveled the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. I don't think that's necessarily ignorance. I think America is such a huge country and continent that it has so much to offer people. You know, you can go fly somewhere and go to the beach and go on a surfing holiday, or you can fly somewhere else and go on a skiing trip, or you can go and 
you, you know, you can experience a lot of different kind of things yeah, in I, America. I, I, whereas I, if you're in England, you, you have to travel to go and figure out different things. I, I, I agree, um, but I, I would also offer you a logical idea that you can dismiss or accept in the sense of American kids are not taught that to travel because our education is still very fear-based and travel is scary, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm mm-hmm. worried about this current generation of kids being raised in this way because, you know, oh, why would you want to go to Italy when everything is here? And everything is not always here. So I agree with you to, no, a, to a certain extent, but uh, no, I think we're saying the same thing. I just, I agree with you. And I also think this is a problem in America that no one has been able to solve. Travel in America is ridiculously expensive, ridiculously expensive. To get on a mm-hmm. train to get on a train to if someone let's say in Charlotte North Carolina wanted to take a train to um, uh, New York it's it's like a $600 train ride which is insane yeah. we, sh- we should do well, we should do what Ryanair does now Ryanair is terrifying you know this but you know it it, at least you on flap your arm <laughs> but at least on, and you have to land the plane with your feet but at least you can go to Stockholm for you know 20 pounds or euro or dollar you know what i'm saying so there is a there is that thing i agree in closing man i just got to ask because i'm fascinated by language and idioms two things give me an an american expression you dig like something that you you've you've like like what have you like what have you acquired from living here that you actually like in a sense of vernacular idioms i'm just curious you know what's funny about that question is I don't even think I could actually tell you because I find myself on a daily basis trying to figure out my own language now because I don't know if I'm talking English or American English. Oh, interesting. And it drives me nuts. And I'm like, wait, am I saying the right word here or the right thing? Or I'll say something to my friends back home in England and they'll be like, oh, man, that's what is that? That's so American. I'm like, oh, I, I don't even know what I just said to you. This is just part of my daily vocabulary or, or vice versa i'll say something very english out here well, and people will just look at me and i've noticed it most with my uh since having a child like i'll, I'll ask like her mom where my daughter's dummy is which in america is a pacifier right but it, it and, and small things like that it's just starting oh to yeah me. It's like, oh, they, like a jumper a yeah, yeah. I, I love the yeah, vocabulary jumper, like a jumper yeah yeah hey well then the last question is what did you feel when you first saw a non-concealed gun in Arizona, and it's not the only state. I just oh. remember when I was traveling through Arizona, I stopped at a really cool diner, and there were like men with guns and cowboy boots. And I don't mean to sound cliche or insulting, but it threw me. It was like, wow. It actually petrifies me. I mean, I, I said something about guns on my Twitter not long ago, and I got a whole bunch of people unfollowing me and stuff. And to me, I'm like, okay, look, this is just, this is me saying I don't understand gun culture because I wasn't brought up around it. I'm not saying you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong. You know, I don't want right. to get in that, that debate. But it, it did scare me. You know, I, it was not too long ago, actually. I was at a, a red light. There was someone having an argument. Someone had cut someone off. And I was just sat there going, yeah, that fucking idiot. Uh, excuse my language. That's uh, cut that guy off. What an idiot. And I, and I was tempted to roll down my window and go, oi. You know what the hell are you doing? Right, or, or, right. And then I saw that he had a—he was on a motorcycle and he had a gun on his hip. And I was like, "Wow! If that guy really, really wanted to, if he just was having a really bad day, you know, I mean, I get road rage. Someone cuts me off, I'm angry. I'll hit my steering wheel. I'll hoot the horn. I'll flash my lights at them. That's all I can do to them. Right. If this guy suddenly decided he wanted to, he could end someone's life just like that in a heartbeat. You know and I, that was, that's a scary it, thing for me to, to comprehend. It makes you swallow hard. And I, I will just say, ask one last thing. I know I keep saying this is really the last thing, but there is this also reverse thing, like any expatriatism or cultural exchange. 
I don't find it's true that we're running around America f- killing people. But, but my point is somewhere, no. in be- somewhere in between that fantasy and fiction is a reality. And I think what's interesting, and this is the last question, do you, when you talk to your mates in the UK or even your family, do they think US, the US is dangerous and can you clear up the record having lived in both places? A lot of people around the world are like, and like, oh my God, you need to be careful. You're going to get shot and killed in America, blah, blah, blah. And whilst I don't personally like guns and I wouldn't own one and I wouldn't want one in my house for fear of an accident, um, you know, I understand that, that, that this has been bred into America and it's part of American history and I understand that. So I see, I see both sides of the fence um, and I do see a lot of ignorance from other countries, you know, and it's again, they're just not educated and there's that scaremongering factor. Yeah. But I always tell everyone, hey, look, in the 10 years I've lived in America, I've seen that gun on that guy's hip that I just spoke about. And I've seen my friend who was a, a police officer. He had a gun. I've seen two. I've never had to fear for my life or fend off intruders that have had guns. And I've only been stuck with a knife, you know, or, or, or vice versa. Like, I don't, it's not a daily thing. I'm not hearing gunshots. And I suppose it depends where you live. Um, but that can be said anyway. You know, if you live in a dangerous area in any country uh, or in any city in any country, there's things to worry about. Maybe guns are those things here. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I personally don't see them. So I always just try and tell people it's not how you think it is. Americans aren't running around like the Wild West shooting guns off in the air and killing each other. Like you just said, that's just, that's just not the reality of it. Hey, man, we've got to add one uh, job description to you. Teacher, you, you, you would be an eloquent... Teacher. I know I hung a few... You're, you're now a diplomat, of course, and, but I think you'd be a great teacher, and I think for your, your, your newborn and your family, you're going to be an eloquent role model, man. I want to thank you for being with us. And, and thank the you ne- very much. The next time we catch you, maybe we'll catch you on the road, and I'll protect you with the bar. You know, I'll get us a cab. I won't beat the guy up, but I'll make sure there's a car outside waiting. Is that cool? Perfect. That's perfect. That's what I do anyway. I always have a car outside waiting. If I can never be of help on this side, let me know, man. Thank you very much, mate. You take care. Cheers, Ben. Be well. I want to thank Ben Bruce for being with us here today on Murmur. That was cool. I I think he'd be a fun guy to just kind of hang at, hang with. Hang at? That sounds weird. Uh, (laughs) Murmur Radio, one word, M-U-R, M-U-R, Radio. Dot com. <laughs> That's strange. At MSF Murmur, social handles. <laughs> if you want to hang at us, um, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, four times a month. Divide that. That means once a week. Murmur Radio. See you soon. Don't get beat up at a bar, kids. See ya. <laughs>